0: Good morning and welcome to Let's Talk. Thank you for joining us for this half hour. Now, Let's Talk. And good morning and welcome to it. Tracy Morgan in with you for Let's Talk. This is our time that we get to talk to great professionals in and around the area about issues that are important to you. And today is our day with the Butler Health System. So we will be taking some time with Dr. Reggie Reginella today in just a moment. Now, before we welcome him into the program, let me tell you all the different ways that you can listen. Because, of course, you do have us on the radio. You have the opportunity to listen through your Alexa-powered device. You just say Alexa, play WISR 680. You can also join us online if you would like to listen to our Stream, that's WISR680.com, there's a button that says listen live. So that one's easy. You just click it. If you want to listen to this program in its entirety, when we're done, what you do is go back onto our website, but you go into programs, Let's talk, and then look for the Butler Health System, and that's the way you can catch this after we're done. I don't want to forget about the apps. Everybody has an app for everything nowadays, so we do have our app that you can put on your mobile device, and you can listen while you're on the go. All right, let's do it. Dr. Reggie Reginella is on the phone with me. Of course, he's with the Butler Health System Medical Director with Faster Care and the BHF Chief Medical Information Officer. Hello, Dr. Reginella. How are
1: you? I'm doing well. Good morning, Tracy. How are you?
0: Good, good, good. It's nice to talk to you again. And it's interesting of what we've been through. So here we are. So let's talk, first of all, about faster care, if you don't mind. Uh, Where are we right now with faster care? Are we back to a a normal pace? Do you see a lot more uh, folks coming back in?
1: Yes, we are. The people are starting to get out. They have decided that life is going forward. So a lot of people have been getting their vaccines, which is awesome, which is great. Keep it up for those who haven't done it. Strongly recommend it. And faster care is getting back to almost full visits. Uh, we're probably running about 85%. The emergency department seeing about the same trend. People still resistant to coming in, getting exposed. But I would say don't be afraid. Staff is 100% vaccinated in the clinic. We're still using masks and other precautions to prevent us from giving it to you if we accidentally are contagious, which we are screening employees every day so they shouldn't be, and also to protect us from the other people coming in who might not know they're exposed yet or actually seeking care for COVID. So all sites which are in Butler Commons, Slippery Rock, Starver, and canning are all open. Uh, ours are a little varying. At most sites but typically 9 to 9 and 9 to 5 on weekends at some of the sites but otherwise we're available. Um, get the care that you need and also there is a new online feature that we've talked about in the past which is called Faster Care Now. You can just jump onto the Faster Care website and link directly into that or using your patient portal.
0: So explain what the Faster Care Now is is about. If, if folks have not started to use this, what is it?
1: Faster Care Now is online access to faster care providers, either via your computer, your iPad, your tablet, or your phone. It's a online feature that you can have a person-to-person, face-to-face, I should say, interaction with providers to have an evaluation of what is bothering you and see where those Care needs can lead to, whether it's a prescription being called in, if it's something that can be done over the phone, or in some circumstances, the provider, usually a nurse practitioner, will recommend that you come in for more complicated matters that just can't be taken care of on a video screen.
0: So I'm wondering if you are going to keep certain elements to the medical field, and I'll, of course, focus on faster care, but one of the silver linings, even though nobody wishes a pandemic ever, 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 but one of the silver linings I found through this past year was not having to wait in a waiting room. You know, you you call when you're outside, you're in your own car, and then you walk right into your appointment. Do you think you'll be keeping that with faster care, or, or how do you think that will flow as we go forward?
1: The irony of it is we had already been planning to roll out faster care now, and the pandemic only hastened that rollout. Uh, It was in the design phase, implementation was soon to be had, and here we are. Um, Again, as you said, no one wants the pandemic, but it is that which made the product become available sooner than later. And in fact, the healthcare system, Butler Healthcare, has rolled out a similar version of that throughout their office visits through all the primary care and specialty visits can be be had online also
0: so are there other elements to what you've been I don't want to say forced into I know you were developing the faster care now as you just mentioned but when you found that there were new ways to go forward with medicine are, are there any of those elements that will stick with uh, the procedure as we continue forward
1: within faster care, Itself, No, the telehealth visit was the number one and only real significant feature that was made possible or or made to come to fruition sooner by the pandemic. Uh, We've implemented point of care or instant testing of COVID virus that was rolled out by the same manufacturer of the other point of care testing that we have, for example, strep or RSV or mononucleosis testing. We have point-of-care instant testing in the clinic, and COVID was added to that quite quickly. That's here to say also. But in general, I think the advent of healthcare delivery has changed uh, to a more uh, online, across the whole industry because of, of COVID, and I think technology is being pushed ahead in general just by it. So it's a, it's a sad State that we had to go through, but it is an impetus of so much new development.
0: Can you talk about what a doctor goes through when they have that, uh, that period of time in their day that they're taking care of health, telehealth? And, and uh, the reason I ask this is because my husband had to get online with one of my son's appointments and he thought he'd have to be in a waiting room online, if you will, first of all. But no, he, when he clicked that button, the doctor was right there. <laughs> so how does that work for a doctor? Do you do you have scheduled times when when folks join you on telehealth? Do you have an appointment? Or can they just uh, click on to a doctor immediately?
1: In the primary care specialty world, your appointment will be scheduled and you'll have a time slot. Just like you would when you visit the doctor's office, you have an appointment time to show up and, and you're slotted in the urgent care faster care now world it is an on-demand feature uh, nine to nine while we're open if you log on and gain access to that you will be put in a queue uh, historically our queue has been less than 10 minutes and on average about five minutes for you to gain access to face-to-face once you've been registered by our front office staff uh then you are put into the queue and the NP or the physician will show up on your screen and say hello, and you'll take it from there.
0: I know you're not here to speak on behalf of all doctors, but through your perspective, do you like this kind of, of care? Do you think it's beneficial?
1: It is. I really do think it is. It, there is that what is lost from the actual touch and the personal contact that you get uh, when you're in a room with somebody, those slight nuances that you you may not be able to get from a computer screen. But some of the PCPs have found it interesting to be able to engage uh, with the patient in their own home, to be able to assess their needs if the patient says, well, I need some help with with this um, An part issue of my life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, they'll be able to, show, well, show me what you're talking about. What can you need? Well, the patient can show, well, this is the stairs in my home. Um, and they say, well, we can get someone in there to help you with that, with some physical therapy, etc." cetera. Um, it allows... Patients to have a more easily accessible healthcare experience. You don't have to take a day off, drive to the office, and sit in the office and plan your day when you have a scheduled office visit. Um, you can do it, and the time that you take to drive to the office is eliminated, and that will give you more time during the day. So, adding all those pieces together. It does gain value to both the patient and the provider to be able to experience the healthcare online. I'm not going to say that every visit should be online, but a checkup visit. Uh, You you saw your doctor a week ago for bronchitis, or you had um, a sore ankle. You saw your provider in person, and they said, let's just check up in a week. Easy. Log on, say hi. You can both experience the uh, encounter online, and it's easy. You don't have to go back to the doctor's office or back to the clinic to be evaluated. It's something that can be integrated into your day without making a big production out of it. Can so you, I like that follow-up encounter so much better than having to go back to see somebody.
0: Can you see more patients in a day or in a week by having those timeframes that are a lot shorter and, and convenient?
1: For the provider, now The provider's still putting in the same amount of time and effort. There's still the documentation behind the scenes. So, no, um, it it doesn't increase the amount of patients that we can see in a day, but it increases the speed and and availability to the patient's life.
0: Interesting. Interesting. So we have Dr. Reggie Reginella on the phone with us with the Butler Health System, kind of just talking about the updates as as we go forward with faster care and telehealth. And and I say the updates in the way that... It seems like the health industry is going to be moving forward in. Um, You know what? We only have about 10 minutes left with you, Dr. Reginella. And and one thing I wanted to ask you about in particular was Lyme disease. And the reason I'm just kind of jumping into a whole different realm is because this is typically when we start talking about Lyme's disease, kind of in this building on this show quite a bit. And I, I don't think that the topic has been talked about enough this year because of course of COVID and that's been our focus. But Lyme is still something that's very important this time of year, isn't it, to, to pay attention to?
1: This time of the year in the fall, and as long as it's not freezing out, you can get bit by a tick. So it is very endemic, meaning there is a lot of it around here. And we see this time of the year, probably at least one tick bite in the, in the emergency department and at faster care every day. So it's not something to fool around with. We can get into the qualia of tick bites and how you get it treated. But it's, it's, it's an interesting disease and it's scary at times.
0: So why do people come to the emergency room for that? Is it just time of day or did they not think that they could go to a faster care or maybe proximity? Why would they go to the ER for
1: that? A lot of times it's time of day. They, they feel that they need to get the tick removed uh, once they notice it. And there is a time perspective to tick removal, but we usually say there's a 24-hour window from tick bite to tick removal that is of significance. Beyond that, you increase the likelihood of conversion of tick bite to Lyme disease. So people will make the decision whether they want to engage uh, Care or the emergency department. Either site is uh, appropriate for uh, management of their condition. Uh, care provides a... Um, less congested, and realistically, a lower copay for individuals to be seen for a tick bite.
0: How do you know a tick bite has been within that 24-hour time frame? Sometimes we don't find ticks until they're really bloated, and I'm wondering yes. how fast it takes for a tick to become that size.
1: It depends on how hungry they are. I, <laughs> I don't know how fast it takes a tick to get engorged, as you would say, Um, we usually will reference the time that a patient was outside. Usually you're going to get the tick bite while you're outside. Although your animal, your pet can bring it into the home. uh, Anytime they're outside, they can fall off or crawl off your animal and then find you and then think that you're a good place to have a meal. The tick is attaching to you to derive blood uh, through your skin for its nourishment. So how do you know it's 24 hours? 24 hours is the academic answer. How long you know it's on is difficult. If you can quantify it, said, hey, I didn't notice that the last time I was changing my clothes, the last time I was bathing, or I knew I was outside and this is when I was in the woods. That's when the idea becomes critical. Um, the idea is get it off as soon as it's noticed it's off. In fact, not necessarily have to come to the emergency department or go to fast care to take a takeoff. There are many products that you can find online, not to be proprietary to any one company, but type in Tick Twister. Uh, I believe that actually might be a trade name, but anything that's a tick removal device that you can use and you feel comfortable using it, I recommend using one of those devices the way they're designed. allows you to have complete removal of the tick. A lot of times people just grab it by the body with a pair of tweezers and tug it off. Or you can remove it, but a lot of times that tick's mouth will or head will stay attached, and then we'll see the patient come in and saying, oh my gosh, I still have the tick head in me. You need to dig it out. Uh, CDC says for us to leave the tick head in because digging it out can cause more skin problems, such as skin infection. So either remove it appropriately as, with using a product designed to remove the tick, or if you don't feel comfortable doing that, follow up with basket care or emergency department will be your next step ccps can also be available if you can call them and get in to see them they will be able to help you also
0: what happens to the tick head if it's left in the skin does it eventually just disintegrate
1: it'll be it'll be shed with the skin Uh, when it first became an epidemic or endemic in the area everyone including myself was digging out those tick heads and the cdc came back out several years later and said stop doing it we're finding you're causing more problems so it'll just grow out or Flush out like with, with a splinter if you have a splinter left in long enough it'll eventually just fall out as the skin sloughs off.
0: So why is it important for proper tick removal? I was in a conversation where somebody had told me true or false I'm not sure that if, if you agitate the tick enough then whatever it has taken in will go straight back into your body. Is that true or not true?
1: I'll have to say it depends on how you grab it. Some people will say that if you squeeze too hard by using a pair of tweezers you can push more saliva and that's where the actual disease lives in the saliva into your skin uh, the exact technical delivery of, of a tick is is quite hard to determine when and how you grab it so can you sure i'd say that there is a possibility of increasing the likelihood of contamination if you are improperly removing the tick so and also then you just don't have the a frustration or the concern or the anxiety that you do have a tick head in your in your skin and you don't pick at it or, or cause more problems with it. I, I would lean more on appropriate removal for complete removal so you have to move on from that situation and not have to deal with it.
0: We hear a however, lot. Of, oh yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, yeah. So however, let's say you assume that you removed the tick uh, in a timely manner, whether you've done it, whether you've had a healthcare provider remove it, I don't want to say you're out of the woods, no pun intended. The idea is that it's likely that you will not have conversion to Lyme disease if the tick is removed within 24 hours. That's not an end-all, be-all. What can happen is we had the timing wrong or the tick was a little bit more aggressive, and yet you can get Lyme disease even with prompt appropriate removal. What do you need to look for? As it moves on, Uh, people will develop, Lyme disease will develop a series of symptoms that they need to watch and monitor themselves for. The biggest, easiest thing to think of is, did you develop any flu-like symptoms within the first two weeks of having a a tick bite? That would be an indication of Lyme disease conversion, flu-like symptoms, body aches, fevers, joint pains, etc. The other telltale sign is what we call a bullseye ring. That would be a reddened ring with circles of redness and light red and clearing, Um, literally like a bullseye that you'd shoot a bow and arrow at. That ring can be associated with the tick bite area, or it can be associated anywhere on the body, different than the tick bite. And in some cases, you'll actually see what's called disseminating Lyme disease, where you'll see numerous bullseyes across the entire body. That is not an indication that the patient was bit by that many ticks. It's just showing, uh, it's expressing itself in numerous lesions. Um, It does not indicate any worsening severity. It's just how that person is experiencing the Lyme disease progression. Treatment is exactly the same for all these conditions, which would just be a two-week course of antibiotics, depending on your allergy list, that will be prescribed by your provider.
0: Can you get these symptoms months later, a year later, after you've been bit by the tick?
1: The symptoms I just spoke with are what we call the acute phase Lyme disease. So the, so those symptoms happen anywhere between 5 and 21 days. We usually say two weeks is the peak of the incident. What you're discussing is delayed Lyme disease, and that is where Lyme disease gets dangerous. Um, the different types of delayed Lyme disease would be neurological, cardiac, and orthopedic. These can range from neurological symptoms, Palsy-like symptoms, cardiac arrhythmias, conduction delays, which means heart block, where people will have very, very slow heart rates, which will require temporary pacers to manage their condition. Um, orthopedic injuries. I've seen individuals that will have destruction of joints because of Lyme disease. These take months later to get. Now, what happens is people will get these. Blue light symptoms or won't find their bullseye ring and everything goes away everything is better for months it's eight, twelve 12 months later unbeknownst to the patient that they were bitten by lyme disease, by a tick that's carrying lyme disease they will now start experiencing these symptoms and they'll present to us with this new problem and we have to try to backtrack and figure out could this be lyme disease So testing People will say a lot of times, well, I, I think I was bit by a tick yesterday. Test me for it. Testing is a very interesting topic. If I give you a tick bite that I know the tick has Lyme disease and it's on you for two, three days, and I'm going to guarantee that you're going to have Lyme disease, the test for Lyme disease called a Lyme titer would actually be a negative test for three and up to six weeks. It takes that long for your blood to convert to the appropriate antibodies that we can test for to determine if you have Lyme disease. So testing for Lyme disease with, an, with a recent tick bite is almost going to be negative unless you've had Lyme disease in the past. So a recent tick bite will not be that cause of a positive Lyme test or even be a positive Lyme test if you've never converted to having Lyme disease in the past.
0: Is there, I'm trying to think of the, the test, and I know you'll know it, but if you take that initial test, can't you go further than that? Isn't it called a, a blot test?
1: That is, it's a reflex test, meaning that if your initial antibody screen shows some indications that there is a likelihood of being positive, then the blot test will be run automatically to actually try to find the exact number or of antibody elevation to actually then confirm Lyme disease. So the first screening test is it's likely that you have it if it becomes positive. It's unlikely you have it if it's negative. And then that positive likelihood test is then pushed forward and then that is the actual confirmational test. That takes longer and it's more complicated. So we allow the screening test to screen and then we have the confirmation test confirmed.
0: So if we think that we have these symptoms, can we just go to faster care? Can we use telehealth? Do we go to the emergency room if we need to?
1: Or your PCP. The answer is yes. There's actually a criteria. If someone comes to me and says, um, let's, let's work through it from the beginning. You come to the emergency department, you come to faster care, you go to your PCP, you use faster care now online, and you say, I was bit by a tick, I have a tick on me, um, let's get it removed. Um, a lot of providers myself included, will actually prescribe you a single-dose antibiotic uh, for that day. That will significantly decrease the conversion rate of getting Lyme disease from a tick bite. It's it's amazing. One-dose antibiotic, good to go for the most part. That's step one. Step two, someone comes to me and says, you know what, I was bit by a tick last week. I took it off. I completely took it off. I now have a fever, chills through any of the faster care, faster care now, PCP, emergency department, we'll go ahead and most providers will start you on antibiotics at that point. If you show up, you have the bullseye rank. And you never knew you were bit by a tick. That's indicative of you were bit by a tick. We're going to start you on the same antibiotics. Again, getting engaged with any of the healthcare providers, that's a good place to start, put you on the antibiotics. Then comes the discussion phase what i mean is someone will come in the middle of the summer early spring late fall and they have flu like symptoms but no known history of tick bite no known outdoor exposure everyone looks at each other and goes well what do you do and that becomes the sticky wiki and a lot of conversations happen Is do you just treat for lyme disease and the cdc has answered that for us the answer is no What you do in that situation is you have people that live in this area. They have flu-like symptoms outside the flu-like time zone. We'll do a wait-and-see approach. And what I recommend, what I do with patients is I'll say, let's wait three, let's wait six weeks. Totally safe to do that. All those bad things that we talked about, neurological, cardiac, orthopedic injury disease from Lyme disease, that takes six, eight, 12 months. So let's wait. Let's be appropriate. Let's test you for Lyme disease in that three to six week window. If you pop positive for Lyme disease, the same treatment that we would do from the initial treatment, which is two weeks of antibiotics, is the appropriate management, complete cure of of Lyme disease without any increased risk by waiting. The flip side of it is, nilly willy, let's throw you on antibiotics, quote unquote, just because we think you might have Lyme disease, I'm exposing you to antibiotics that you may not have need. You will have GI upset that you didn't need to be exposed to. You can have increased sunburn with certain antibiotics in this time of the year because it makes you increase photosensitive, meaning you'll get sunburned more easily just because I put you on the antibiotic. And lastly, we would increase the possible antibiotic resistance to bacteria in general for inappropriate antibiotic use. So giving antibiotics in the wrong setting is actually worse off than than absolutely safe to wait six weeks to get tested. Dr.
0: Reggie Reginella, we are out of time, but it is always an interesting conversation to have with you. Lyme's is something that we need to pay attention to, and and I do appreciate you being here to not only talk about that, but just remind us of the telehealth and faster care. Uh, I appreciate you being here. Thank you so much.
1: Well, my pleasure. Thank you for having me on, and everybody stay safe, and We'll talk later.
0: Absolutely. And folks, again, if you are just joining us and you're late into our conversation, you can hear this again on our website at WISR680.com. You pick programs, Let's Talk, and then look for the Butler Health System. I'm Tracy Morgan with Let's Talk. The information and opinions shared on this program are solely those of our guests and do not necessarily represent those of WISR, the Butler County Radio Network, or its staff and employees.